0: Welcome to The Gone Show, the show where my guests and I explore anything and anyone that is now gone or might as well be. On tonight's episode, its run lasted far longer than what inspired it, and people were okay with that. That's right, we'll be talking about the television show MASH. The gone show. And now, joining the world and beyond from The Gone Show studio in the American Midwest, the host of The Gone Show, Bannon Backus. Good evening and welcome to The Gone Show. In the studio tonight, I'm joined by Jay Stewart, John Mad Jack Mitten, and Orson Escanaba. For those who might be joining us for the first time, Jay is a brain in a jar. Good evening, everyone. John passed away in the United Kingdom in 1834, and now manifests himself as an oversized mouth and mustache. It's my pleasure to be here, and yours as well, I would imagine. And you do have quite an active imagination, don't you? And, last but not least, Orson Escanaba is a yeti. Hello. Oh, did I tell everyone, after recording our last episode about telephone booths, I decided to manifest myself inside a telephone box in London. Did you do that just to scare someone? I simply wanted to see the inside of one of those things. I must say though, in the process I did end up scaring someone one half to death. John, you should have seen the look on that nun's face. Nun, Yes. And I must say, as she was trying to get out of the telephone box, the old girl looked just like a constipated panda, slipping on ice. It is uncommon, but occasionally, you do see it. John, aren't you at all worried about how that might have looked to, you know, a higher power? Ew, poppycock. Believe me, the good lord has quite a sense of humor. I'm non-living proof of that. Okay, I'm just worried about your immortal soul. Something tells me you have a lot of strikes against you. You worry too much. I assure you, my soul is as spotless as as that nun's habit when she first entered the telephone box, and I think you knew what I mean. I gotcha, thanks. Okay, so tonight we're going to be talking about one of the most popular television shows of all time, and that television show is none other than M.A.S.H. Excellent, one of your television shows that is all about mashing things. Not exactly. In fact, it was kind of the exact opposite of that. Oh... So, the television series M.A.S.H. premiered in 1972, and it was actually an adaptation of the motion picture, also entitled M.A.S.H., which premiered two years earlier in 1970. And that film was itself an adaptation of the novel entitled M.A.S.H., a novel about three army doctors, which came out in 1968. I am annoyed by complicated lineages. Well, that about covers its origins. As for the plot of the show, MASH stands for Mobile Army Surgical Hospital, and the show follows the personnel at a .A MASH in South Korea during the Korean War. And for a little bit of context, the Korean War began in... 1950 and ended by way of an armistice in 1953. It was a war fought between North Korea and South Korea, with China and the Soviet Union supporting North Korea and primarily the United States supporting South Korea. The Yeti are familiar with sustained conflict. Our war against the Sasquatch has lasted since before the Age of Black Ice. And how long ago is that? More than 10,000 years. You've been fighting the Sasquatch for more than 10,000 years? Yes. Uh, Fortunately, the Yeti have a greater preference for cold. older climates than Sasquatch have, but there are still skirmishes. That's a long time to be fighting. If you don't mind me asking, what's the basis for your conflict? What started it? Was it a lovely lady? The conflict between Yeti and the Sasquatch began with a grave insult. An insult that continues to be given to this very day. An insult first delivered by Sasquatch to the Yeti more than ten millennia ago. That's got to be some insult. What is it? Brace yourself, okay? The Sasquatch used diminutive terms when referring to our feet. You've been worrying for 10,000 years because they told you that you have small feet? Yes. I have never even seen a Sasquatch, but people do refer to a Sasquatch as Bigfoot. By virtue of sheer ignorance, I assure you. Fortunately for you, the Yeti have chosen to ignore your people's second-hand slander. I'm sorry, Mr. Escanaba, but fighting a never-ending war because of someone insulting your feet seems, and forgive me for saying so... Petty. It may be difficult for us to understand, but for both the yeti and the sasquatch, the foot is a symbol that transcends a purely biological understanding of the foot. Purely? Don't you mean to say, solely? Yeah, you know. On second thought, I apologize again, Mr. Escanaba. It's not fair for me to judge something like that personally. When it comes to feet, I'm rather indifferent. But I once knew a baroness who. All right, we're going to take a much-needed break. We'll be right back. When it comes to books. This is the book that is only slightly less important than the Bible. Introducing Window Licking Incorporated, the new bestseller by Dan Cream. Window Licking Incorporated tells the story of two men, one young and one old. Eustace Porter III comes from a world of money and privilege, and for his 30th birthday, his father has just handed over to him the family business. But life takes an unexpected turn when Eustace's grandfather, whom Eustace has always seen as his true father figure, falls down an elevator shaft, hits his head, and begins to suffer a compulsion. A compulsion to lick windows until they're clean. When his grandfather leaves the hospital, Eustace makes the difficult choice to indulge his grandfather and repay him for his kindness through the years. Eustace decides to take his recent inheritance, the family legacy that is a multi-billion dollar investment firm, and turn it into Window Licking Incorporated. A story that left me tearing up whenever I saw a window, says Greg Chucker of the International Papercut. I uprooted my family, moved across the country, and purchased a house next door to my grandfather. All in the same night, I finished reading this book, says Carol Flush, of words decaffeinated. I now carry a small piece of a window in my pocket to lick every few minutes, says Gordon Hunch of Mouth Over Teeth Weekly, Window Licking Incorporated, the new best seller by Dan Cream. Buy your copy today. Welcome back to Gone Joe. Welcome back to The Gone Show. Here with me in the studio tonight are Jay Stewart, John Mitten, and Orson Escanaba. And tonight we're talking about the television show MASH. Now, I think when most people, including myself, think about MASH, they immediately think of it as a comedy or a sitcom, but as anyone who's ever watched it knows, the series is probably better described as being a comedy-drama, dark-comedy, or dramedy. Yes, I used to watch the show whenever I could, and it had many dramatic, sad moments. Right. In fact, in doing my due diligence, I found that one of the controversies surrounding the series had to do with the distinction between comedy and drama, or more specifically, its use of a laugh track. What is a laugh track? So a laugh track is pre-recorded laughter that's played at various times throughout something like a television show. Are your people not allowed to laugh yourselves while you watch moving images? We are. The idea behind a laugh track is to replicate some of the magic of live theater, and also to sort of give viewers permission to laugh at something. Your people need permission to laugh? RIDICULOUS nonsense. I agree, I have mixed feelings about laugh tracks myself, but more to the point, the creators of MASH didn't want there to be a laugh track, but CBS, the network that aired the show, wanted one. So the compromise that was reached was that a laugh track would never be used during scenes that took place in the operating room while surgery was happening. And based upon what I read, it seems as though the network eventually came around to the idea of of there not being a laugh track because as the series progressed, a laugh track was used less and less and even not at all for some episodes. Talking about laugh tracks, one of the show's creators said, quote, they're a lie. You're telling an engineer when to push a button to produce a laugh from people who don't exist. End quote. Unreal laughter makes no sense. You know what? Actually, here, wait a second. Okay, there. There. For the rest of the show, I'll occasionally play a laugh track so that you can get a better idea of what it entails. You're not serious, are you? No, you're the one who's not serious. (laughs) You, for the lover. It is amusing when the one who floats is ridiculed. (laughs) This is already intolerable. Are you sure you're not talking about yourself, John? I love laugh tracks. Alright, moving on. Even though MASH was almost cancelled after its first season, it went on to become one of the highest rated television shows of all time, running for 11 seasons and culminating in a -a two-and-a-half-hour series finale in... 1983. And by all accounts, the series finale was huge. According to my research, it was watched by approximately 125 million viewers, and more televisions in homes were tuned into the series finale than had been tuned into any other television show in history. Well, it sounds as though it was a mash hit. Ew, I see. New laughter for what I say. Is that it? Why should things change now? <laughs> Your face should have its own laugh track. Yeah, I must say, I was able to watch the series finale, and it was very good. And in addition to the viewership that it had, I came across something else really interesting about the series finale. According to some sources, immediately after the series finale aired, increased toilet use in New York City reached an all time high. Apparently, within a half hour after the episode aired, six 6.7 million gallons of water was used within the city, with one of the city's Department of Environmental Protection representatives saying, quote, We don't know of any instantaneous increase in water usage that would match this, end quote. Uh, The lack of on-demand viewing did change the way we approached certain things, didn't it? I don't know. I've always approached a toilet the same way. All right, you're officially out of control now. Sorry, you're right. I can't help it. Okay. So, obviously, MASH was an incredibly popular show, so it should come as no surprise that television producers attempted to capitalize on its success as much as possible. Consequently, there was one spin off that lasted for two seasons, and one failed attempt at a spin off for which just one episode was made. There was also a television show entitled trapper john md that ran for seven seasons but that actually served as a sequel to the film version of mash that i mentioned earlier not the television show i don't believe i'm familiar with that one yeah i knew about it but i've never seen it you mean like success (laughs) there don't say i've never given you anything All right, we're running out of time, so to my guests and listeners, thank you. And until next time, good evening and good gone. (laughs) The Gon Show was produced, created, performed, and written by Bannon Backus. The Gone Show is a presentation of BoomTube, B-O-O-M-T-O-O-B. All rights are reserved. Visit BoomTube online at BoomTube.com and Facebook.com slash BoomTube Network.